Hey, thanks for tuning in to Embrace Church Sunday Service. This week we'll hear from Richie Womack on World Missions. You guys give it up for Richie Womack as he comes forward. Come on up, brother. I've known Richie for, for quite some time, just about all my life, honestly. Our families knew each other as, uh, as we were growing up in McGee. and um, Dad was a baseball coach. Do what? Your dad was a baseball coach, Little League. Little League. Was he tough? No. No? He did, liked me. He liked you. Did y'all win? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> My d- dad was dad was one of those ferocious coacher, coaches, you know. He he loved to win, and and uh, sometimes that at that age in his life, in that stage in his life, at any cost. <laughs> and so, but but uh, but yeah, Richie and I have known each other for a long time. I remember one time, so we didn't get to do wing dang doodle for two years straight here in Forest. I'm open next year we can do this, but they, every city's got some kind of little festival type thing that goes on, and and so in McGee. The festival in McGee is called Crazy Day. Crazy Day, right? <laughs> crazy Day. I, I, you know, Hub Joy. Fest in Hattiesburg and Crazy Day, but Wing Dang Doodle here, brother. You ain't got to speak with the name. <laughs> Wing Dang Doodle. Yep. And so anyway, so I remember when I was serving a church in McGee and, and Overflow was getting started, you know, we were, I, I was just with my family and we were going from booth to booth hanging out. And, and like I say, I knew Richie and, and, and then I knew Richie had given his life to Jesus and gotten saved and, and, and God done an indelible mark on, on Richie's life. And, and man, he's getting out there with the word and, and Overflow's, you know, is, is, is becoming known as a church plant in our area and growing. And, and so we're out there and and I'm just kind of minding my own business. And Richie comes up to me and is like, hey, I need you to share the gospel with this guy. Just out of the blue. Right? Now, again, I'm there with my wife and my kids. They just want some potato guns, you know? And, and I, just, I just want some carnival food. And Richie comes up to me and, and hands some guy off that he was sharing the gospel with. And, and, and over time, it... God just began to burn that memory in my mind and remind me that Richie is a guy who loves to see people come to know Jesus Christ, who loves to see people surrender their lives through a gospel presentation. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say this real quick. Back there in the back while ago, Richie leaned over to me and he says, hey, if time permits, uh, am I going to share the gospel or you? (laughs) And I said, between me, you and Greg, trust me, the gospel is going to get shared today. Because the gospel is his heartbeat. Understand this, that missions is getting the gospel around the world. So tell us, when did, what, what was your first mission trip? Uh, I went to Arica, Chile in May of 03. Arica, Chile. Yeah. Good deal. And that was a pretty, pretty big experience that you had. Oh, it was huge. Uh, it's, it's actually... I'm going to go into detail with it uh, this morning, but uh, I'd only been saved about four months, and God called me to go, and it, it changed my life. Good deal. And, and some of you guys may not know this, but Richie has served as a missions pastor at Overflow in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know that you're going to get into 110 Vision and, and Hotel Ministries and, and all of that kind of stuff. Your role right now at Overflow is? Uh, an elder. An elder. And some of you guys might not know this, but you came here and you trained our elders as we started with elders. What was your experience with that? Um, where they at? Put, putting you on the spot here. Uh, it was um, an opportunity uh, for me 
to look back and see that God had really taught me something through the, it was more about, you can ask the elders, uh, I, I see Brother Rodney sitting there, uh, it was more about, hey, don't do this, because <laughs> this didn't work, you know, um, but uh, it, it was it was probably the, I mean, God's allowed me to do a lot of stuff in the last few years, but that was probably one of the most amazing times of ministry because it was so biblical. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul charged Titus, go appoint elders in these churches. He did the same thing with Timothy. Timothy, go back, appoint elders and train these elders in these churches. And uh, it was just like walking back through that. And it, it was a great time for me. And I, I hope these gentlemen that were walking through that with me uh, got as much out of it as I did. Amen. And I believe they did, don't you guys? I mean, it's such a blessing. Well, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to step out of the way, and you, you bring the word, and however the Lord's put it on your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for Richie. I pray that you would anoint him with your Holy Spirit, God, that you gift him with your word, that, Lord, as, you, as he shares the truth of your word and his experience and his calling, God, I pray that it be something that resonates with our hearts and challenges us. And, Lord, it's in his calling we can sense our calling to do what we need to do in missions. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take it away, Thank brother. Um, well, it's great to be back at Embrace. As Andy said, um, I was here, I'm not sure when that was, actually, maybe 2016 into 18, something like that. Um, and, and we were over at the other building, and, and before we left, uh, this building kind of got started in the process. But... Um, to, to, to share a little bit about uh, 110, uh, I, I need to share a little bit about my personal story. And it started with um, what Andy touched on a minute ago, uh, that, that first mission trip. I gave my life to Christ in January of 2003, January 10th to be exact, around 10.30, you know, not keeping up exact times. Um, and a couple months later, I felt burdened to go on a mission trip, but uh, there was, uh, I see Tim sitting here. Hey, man. Um, I was going to church at Crossgates, and um, there was a, there was a group going to Arica, Chile, and I, I just felt burdened to go. But the enemy was in my head, going, "You can't. You don't. You've only been saved for a couple of months. You don't know nothing about the Bible. You don't know nothing about Jesus. You can't tell nobody nothing." So, and I believed that lie. So I just said, "Well, I, I can't go." But a, a couple of friends were going, and I told them, you know, that you know I really want to go, but I can't. Because this, and they just helped me work through that, that lie, through and through prayer and, and, and godly counsel. Realized, okay, I'm going to go. And um, in preparation for that trip, there was just there just happened to be a class offered at, at at Crossgates where I was at the time for how to share the gospel, and I took that class. And uh, we went to um, Rica, Chile, in May of '03. In the first or second, uh, second or third day we were down there, we went across the border into a town called Tacna, Peru. And um, there was three things that happened to me that day. It changed my life. God called me in an amazing way. I shared the gospel for the first time and something else that happened to me that was amazing that you may not see the amazing part of it right now, but I saw the gospel rejected for the first time. But 
as we get, we get it to break those down, the first thing is the calling. You know, people have been called in, in, in many ways. Uh, I'm not sure I've heard Angie's testimony. It started when he was around 15 and he worked through that calling and, 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 and you can tell that this is a man of God. He is definitely walking in his calling. And in the Bible, we see where God called people to do certain things. And, and one of the most amazing callings, I marked this Bible so I won't flumble through them. Um, in 1 Samuel um, chapter 3, um, to give you a little story, I'm sure most of you know, but Samuel, his, his mother had prayed for a child. And uh, when God gave her a child, after she winged that child, she gave that child to the church, basically to the, the priest at the time, said, here, he's yours, I'm giving him back to God. Well, a young Samuel uh, is uh, just a boy, and uh, he's, he's, he's ministering to the Lord with Eli. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, starts in verse 2, we'll go through verse 10. It says, and, it, and the word of God says, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see. And am I in the right chapter? Yep. Nope. Yeah, I am. And the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark was gotten, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here I am, for thou hast called me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. He went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I, I called not, my son. Lay down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord had yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be that if he call thee, thou, thou shalt speak. Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in the place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. That's, that's one of the most profound callings in Scripture. I mean, that's, that's God calling a man who at that time was just a young boy. But Samuel became one of the most mighty prophets in the Bible. Um, we, we, we saw him anoint kings and, and do battle and, and just, he was an amazing man of God. Um, it, it technically started with his mother, but this is where he called, God called him and he came to know the Lord. Well, for me, my, my, my calling apart from salvation um, was an amazing time. And um, it, well, changed my life. So that day we went into Tacna. Um, we got in a van and a couple of buddies of mine were on the back row and I wanted to sit on the back row with them. Some of you may have heard this story. If you have, just uh, bear with me. So I wanted to sit on the back row with them and for some reason or other I couldn't. And I sit a couple rows in front of those guys and I had to sit beside a Spanish speaking 
Peru, uh, a, a Chilean pastor's wife who was sitting beside, wait, I'm sorry. The lady sitting beside me was a Brazilian pastor's wife who spoke Portuguese. And then on the other side of her was a Spanish speaking pastor's wife from Chile that spoke Spanish. Well, the lady sat beside me as we're driving down the road. She opens up her Bible and starts, you know, in, in pointing to the scripture. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady. So the lady beside her starts trying to tell me in Spanish. I don't know what that is either. So as a guy sitting in front of me in the pastor side of the van, his name's Ronnie Gilmore. He was actually our translator. I said, Ronnie, you got to help me out here. So Ronnie didn't speak Portuguese, so he's talking to the Spanish lady that's talking to the Portuguese lady, back to her, back to Ronnie, back to me. And it comes out as last night God came to her in a, in a dream and told her to give a man named Richie a scripture. And I'm like, okay. That's cool. I heard about this kind of stuff. You know. So she shared the scripture and I said, well, thank you. And it was an awkward ride for about another 30, 45 minutes. You know, just sitting there. So... Later on, uh, Ronnie's son, Jeremy, who uh, at that time was living in Texas, he went to uh, Chile with us as a translator. He grew up in Guatemala with Ronnie. As a, Ronnie was a, uh, a foreign missionary down there. So Ronnie, Jeremy and I got to be friends after I got saved. And he came to me and he said, um, I had a dream last night. In that dream, God told me to give you a scripture. Turns out the same scripture the Portuguese-speaking lady gave to me through the Spanish-speaking lady through Jeremy. I mean, through Ronnie. And I thought, man, that's weird. And I told um, Jeremy, I said, this, you're not going to believe this. This just happened this morning. And he said, well, he said, I know it's God, but if, he said, if it happens one more time, there's no doubt this is straight from God because it's a, the first time it came from somebody in Brazil, next time it came from a dude in tech, from Texas, and so I'm waiting on the third time, hoping it really doesn't happen. Later on, we've got this little prayer group going in a circle, and there's this young lady named uh, Luciana. She's from Chile, and she's going around praying over people. And as she comes to, you know, the uh, English-speaking members of the group, someone would translate. Well, she comes walking around to me and she prays for a minute and translators interpreting her prayers and then says, God gave her, she says, God gave me a scripture to give to you last night in a dream. And I thought, Lord, if it's the same one, I'm hitting the door. <laughs> same scripture. And I just hit the floor weeping. This was the scripture. It was Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the, in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then I said, I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. I mean, it's the exact same thing I had been telling everybody for two or three months. I can't go. I, I, I can't do this. I, I don't know the Bible. I don't know enough about God. I can't talk to people. And he's telling me there, 
Don't worry about that. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Um, at that time, I was, I was blessed to have a mentor in my life that I got to travel with some and uh, spend time with. His name was Dr. Fred Wolf, uh, recently passed away this year. Um, when I got home from the trip, I was telling Dr. Fred about that, and he's... Um, he said, so what do you think it means? And I'm like, I was in construction, so I thought I was going to be building stuff all over the world. I didn't really know what it was. And he said, well, God's going to show you. And um, so I didn't know it at that time, but later on I started walking through it and realized that that was my calling. The second most important thing that happened to me that day was I got to share the gospel. As I mentioned, before I went on that trip, I'd taken a class on how to share the gospel. And um, I wasn't... Uh, that confident with it. Mainly because I was making it about me. You know, and God showed me later on what was wrong with that and, and, and how to fix that. But as I shared the gospel... Something happened in me that day. Uh, the Bible tells us in, in, in Romans 1.16. There we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God instilled in me that day when he gave me that opportunity to share the gospel as, those, as, as nervous as I was about doing it when I did it. He took away any fear or any shame from doing it and gave me a boldness that I had never known. It was like I look back and I really, it changed me, not just in the boldness. I think I actually became that type A personality that day. You know that? Hey, dude. I didn't... It, it just changed me altogether. And the third thing that was just uh, dramatic that day was I saw the gospel rejected. Um, you, you'd say, well, what's so significant about that? God allowed me to see that it had... Nothing to do with me. Maybe that first day might have been. Or the first time I shared might have been. But not all are going to come to him. It was a few months of sharing the gospel. And trust me, when he filled me with that boldness and took away that shame, I started sharing the gospel. People heard the gospel when they ran into me. The, the, the thing Andy was telling you about earlier where I went and grabbed him it was some dude with some kind of whacked out view and I couldn't get anywhere with him. Like, oh, there's Andy, let me go. So I had shared the gospel with him already. I just didn't tell Andy that that day. I just wouldn't, it just wasn't working. He was just kind of, I'm like, well, Andy's smarter, so I'll grab him. But uh, 
it, he showed me that um, not, not all are going to come. And that it's all about him. We see in First um, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, that, uh, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. The Apostle Paul says it has nothing to do with his wisdom or his eloquent speech. It is the power of the word of God. And there was a guy named Claude Schufelt, that sh- uh, a guy, a pastor uh, named Claude Schufelt, that shared the gospel with me. And, and Claude was an evangelist. You know, that's what God had called him to do. But it had nothing to do with what he was doing. It was the power of God in his word, his spirit working through his word that pierced my heart that day on January the 10th. And it has nothing to do with any of us. And sometimes when we see people didn't accept the gospel, we might have tried to make it something about us instead of allowing God to use us. The, some of the most amazing times that I've ever seen sharing the gospel is when I don't ask a question or don't ask another person a question. I do nothing but read scripture. Four or five verses. And I might say, did you understand that? Go to the next one. And watch the power of the gospel change someone's life. So, um, but it's, it's, it's by his spirit. Romans 10, 17 tells us, uh, I'm going to read it off here because it would take me longer to slip the Bible. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. That tells the same thing. It, it, it's, it's, it's the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God working through His Word, not our ability to speak, nothing that we have. Now, God's going to use your testimony. How many times have you seen, the, you, you had the opportunity to share your testimony and it connected you with somebody because they have a similar situation going on in their life? God will use that. And part of evangelism training we do we teach people how to write and share their testimony because God can use that. Every time the Apostle Paul stood before anybody, he shared what he called his Damascus Road experience where he was traveling to Damascus with letters from the church that were allowing him to take Christians prisoner or hostage or, you know, or whatever. And this bright light shone, you're probably all very familiar with it. Well, that's the day God changed him. He stood before Caesar and kings, he said it had nothing to do with his eloquent speech. He shared his testimony, his Damascus Road experience. And that will help others. So I went from there and um, started going on different mission trips. Every time I got an opportunity, I'd go somewhere. But I'd never been anywhere that God, I felt God telling me to go back. I, I went to Chile, I went to uh, Peru, went to Mexico, went to Guatemala, went to India. And it wasn't until uh, December of 2007, went to Kenya. There was a, 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 a friend of mine from McGee that had put the, was a foreign missionary in Kenya with IMB for years and had come home. And she was putting together a trip and taking uh, a few people over there to do a little bit of evangelism and just connecting with some ministries over there. So myself and a few others from Overflow 
went, and I say a few others. There weren't but a few others in overflow at the time, so about half the church and one before us. Um, and that was in December 2007. We went, and there was a whole lot of stuff going on in the country at the time, but uh, it was kind of chaotic. But it wasn't until then that I felt God tell me to go back to a certain area. I've been to these other, all these other places just sharing the gospel. Well, in May of 08, went back uh, to Kenya. And the goal of that trip was to um, discipleship, I guess, if you will. And it was basically, I was, I was teaching people how to share the gospel, the ones that we'd been uh, evangelizing to in, in December and the ones we saw come to Christ and the people, churches that were planted, we were teaching those people how to share the gospel. I was there for a week and the last night of that trip, God kept me up all night, did not sleep. And he just, he gave me a vision of what he wanted us to do. And I thought at that, at that place at the time. So I stayed up all night and, and wrote it down. And it was kind of a three-step process, planting the church, discipling the church, and building the church. And that doesn't necessarily mean bricks and mortar, but it did involve that. So I took that vision back home. And at the time, we at, at Overflow Church, we just had a, uh, a core team. Uh, we were still meeting in my house, I think. And uh, I pitched this to the core team. And no, I think we was in our first building on Main Street or maybe the Rose. I don't remember. Um, but I, I pitched this, this vision uh, to the core team and I, I was all ready to defend it, you know, and it, God was all in it because I didn't get halfway through it and everybody's just, oh yeah, we're, we're all behind this, let's go. So we, we start trying to do these, these trips and, and, and follow this plan and it's, it's what I found is, and Andy touched on it this morning when, when we were praying that, you know, man makes plans and then God does what he wants to do. So we made these plans based on this vision and just know that it's always fluid. All right, God, this is what we feel led to do. If you need to change it, just send us in another direction. And it typically happens, but we just go with the flow and the way we go, you know, we see God moving so we know he was in it. But um, we, we, we started doing that for a couple of years and as the ministry began to grow, um, we, we saw that we weren't going to be able to sustain it just within the confines of Overflow Church. So we started um, praying about what to do with it, how to do it, and um, came up with you know starting a nonprofit. And what were we gonna call it? So through prayer, Consideration, we went back and looked at that initial calling that we think God put on my life from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. And the last verse, the last sentence in verse 10 says to build and to plant. So we came up with 110. And the vision came from the vision that he gave me that day in Kenya. So with that... Uh, we began to plant more churches and, and, and uh, get more people involved outside the, the uh, confines of Overflow Church. And um, where's Brother Glenn? I saw him a minute ago. 
Brother Glenn, I think Samuel. Um, Emily, were you in July of 12? Did you go? And your future brother-in-law, I think. Didn't Chris go on that trip? So in, in July of 2012, we went on this trip and I had met a guy named Christopher Juma and I introduced him to the team then. At that time, he had, uh, I think, five kids living in a little house, you know, it was about half the size of this stage maybe. And he just had a heart for planting churches and for children. Um, and through that, we saw God start to do something else there and take us in a different direction, not walking away from the other, but just adding to it. And he sent us to, I can remember myself and my wife, Michelle, and a member of our board, Robbie Sullivan, and his wife, Melissa, we were traveling to a church over there one day and we were just praying uh, about what God wanted us to do with this if he wanted us to go on a different route with the kids because we felt led to, that he was, he was leading us down that road. And so we just started praying and talking about it and he took us to Psalms uh, ten fourteen, And... I flipped to it. Let's see. Yeah, it's just right here. There it is. Thou hast seen it, for thou beholdest mischief and spite to require it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. New American says helper of the orphan. And from that, we developed a ministry called the HOTO ministry. H-O-T-O, -O, helper of the orphan. Well, so we started working through what God wanted to do there and, and trying to see a vision for that. And it's evident that it was God because people started supporting us financially because when you start dealing with kids, you know, there's more of a financial need than uh, just doing um, evangelism and discipleship because at that time we were planting churches, sending pastors to seminary, equipping the church with tools, uh, literature, some things with the building. And it, it, the financial aspect of it was, there was a need, but it, it, was, it was nowhere near what it is now. Um, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not here asking for money. That's not why I'm here. Um, but <clears throat> so we started trying to work that out. And from that day, in July of 2012, when, when, when God put that burden on us, it's gone from Christopher having five kids in a house about this big to Christopher and his wife Janet having 28 kids, about five acres, six buildings, a water well, just it's unreal. And um, we've got, I think, two ladies in universities, two kids in, that have graduated high school are now in vocational schools, and the rest of them are just, you know, I think the youngest one's four years old, and we've probably got a newborn. I say a newborn. Um, last year, uh, there was a child... That was taken to a local magistrate during the pandemic. Somebody just left a newborn baby 
on on the street. And the town has them, and then you know they're trying to work out all the details. But it looks like that little girl's coming to us too. So here we go and do another baby, which Janet hadn't been long had one too. So um, so we went from church planning, discipleship to orphanage. Shortly after that, around 2014, God opened the door to go into Uganda. So we started looking at where places to plant churches there. And out of that came three churches got planted in Uganda. Well, in 2016, where's Lori? She in the back. Is that when we went to Peru? 2016, Easton, I think, went to. In 2016, uh, this wasn't a 110 trip. This was, uh, um, I was, I think, uh, here at that time, and we kind of just put together a trip for some folks um, and uh, had some friends from Cross Gates, Kim and Randy Bridges, that were, were down there, and they had a ministry with children and ladies in prisons and things like that, and just a, a, a good ministry to go help be a part of, show people farm missions. Wasn't that hard to get there. So we go down there and um, while we're there, God burdens my heart with planting churches in Peru. So I think, well, it's, it's with Kim and Randy. And it, during the course of that week, he shows me it's not that avenue. He hooks me up with another pastor down there named Pastor Ellie uh, Arana, I think. And he, he has a, a, a heart for planting churches. Well, he and I start talking and praying through translators together and um, it's evident that God wants us to start doing something there. So we go out and he's from Takna of all places, the same place that God called me in 2003. It's really cool to go back there every now and see that spot, you know, where all that happened. But, um, so we plant or start praying about in, uh, planting a church in a town called Coca Chakra. And I took um, Brother Andy, I think, um, Samuel? No, somebody. It's a lot of training, a lot of teams. Andy and a couple guys went with me and uh, we did evangelism down there and planted a church and have been back several times and that church down there, the, the pastor is from Venezuela. His name is Pastor Baker and his wife, Yanni. And it's probably one of the strongest churches that, in, that 110 Vision has been involved in. And it is amazing there. Well, we just went down there a couple months ago and seeing what God's doing, the, the church is growing immensely. He's given them this big, huge building because of the pandemic. Um, there was just this big, huge, fine building that was vacant, and the the landlord like rents it to them for a little or nothing. It's just it's amazing. While we're there, last time we see that uh, God wants us to plant a church in another city in Peru called Macagua. So we're we're going to be doing that. In um, 2022, it's bad when you get old, Keith, and you start having a, what year is this? 
So sometimes in 2022, depending on what's going on with the pandemic, because that is, it's made travel internationally a, you know, a kind of a, a, a hectic situation. But uh, so we're going back to plant a, a, a church in Macagua. And then we're going back to Kenya. We're going back to Uganda. Uganda. Uh, 110 Vision is planted um, in Kenya, 24 churches. In Uganda, three. One in Peru. And one more plant coming this year in Peru. We've actually lost two churches in Kenya, which when I say lost, um, we appointed the wrong men over those churches. And, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a evidence that those, a, a church plant has to be discipled. Someone has to walk with it. It's like a newborn Christian or, you know, if, if, if you just say, okay, accept Christ here, you sit on this pew, you're good. Uh -uh, it doesn't work like that. You got to walk with them. Embrace is starting to get involved in church planning. <coughs> Excuse me, and you're going to see that. You have to walk with that church. You have to help uh, mentor and guide, sometimes financial assistance, sometimes actual hands, boots on the ground assistance, but you have to walk with them. And we, we learned a, a couple of lessons the hard way that uh, we, we were not walking with those churches as we should, so we lost a couple. But We've seen through 110 Vision, we've seen over, um, it's around 1,400 people except Christ. Um, and this started in 2008, I guess. Um, and several, several pastors have been trained. Um, several church members are now in leadership positions, you know, lay people in leadership positions in the church. And not only in uh, Peru and Kenya and Uganda, it's wherever God wants to lead, but right now that's where we're working. Um, I'm no longer, as Andy said, at one point I was a farm missions pastor at Overflow. Now they have a, um, another farm mission pastor, Greg Roberts. And Greg works in Haiti, some in India, and he's gotten on board in Africa. <coughs> Excuse me. And has gotten us linked up with a, another nonprofit organization called Link, and it trains pastors. So Link is looking at going a couple times a year to Kenya. They've actually been already, I think, three times. So there, there are just multiple opportunities for you to go to South America, to Africa, to Haiti. I know Embrace has, is looking at some stuff for next year. You, you, you don't have an excuse of, well, I don't have anywhere to go. And you may say that, well, I haven't been called like some people, like Samuel or like Richie. If you are a believer, you have been. Matthew 28, verses, I'll just put it right here. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He's telling us to go. This, this, this word was written for us. This doesn't apply to just those men that were standing there and heard Jesus' voice that day. That applies to every believer that has accepted Christ. And Isaiah... 
6, 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, Lord, send me. Will you be that person to step up and say the same thing Isaiah said? Here I am, God, send me. <coughs> As God wants to do something in you, and I'm not saying you got to go across the world to do it. Matthew tells us that we're to go down the highways and into the hedges. That's down the street into your neighbor's flower beds. So I'm not telling you to skip over whatever God's calling you to do. I'm just giving you an opportunity to do it internationally, as Brother Andy has said. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know how you can get there. Because if you haven't been called yet in Matthew telling you to go, it's because the Spirit of God is not within you. And Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means none of us, none of us are perfect. We're all sinners. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of that sin in your life, you will suffer an eternal separation from God. John 3, 16, we all know that. It says that <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Sometimes we miss a word in that verse. It says believe. And we just think, well, it, it means that I believe this paper is yellow. No, that's not what that means. What that means, that word believe means to totally trust in and completely rely on. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would totally trust in and completely rely on him shall ever have everlasting life. John 3, 3 says that you must be born again. A man named Nicodemus came to Jesus one night and he said, and this, Nicodemus was a religious man. And he said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, you must be born again. The first birth is through water. The second birth is through the Spirit. You have to believe these things, that you are a sinner, that your sin will separate you from God. But if you believe, if you totally rely on Him, you completely trust in Him, you will have everlasting life. When you do that, you ask Him into your heart, you are born again. Romans 10, 9 says that whosoever believe, who, I'm sorry, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done that, please don't leave here today. Talk to me, talk to Brother Andy, talk to one of the elders. Ask Christ into your life today. Thank you for allowing me to be here.